people how is everyone doing your posture right now is so straight it's scary my posture really you look you're sitting up so straight it's a little disarming i'm i'm trying you to could correct see... my posture a little bit so i'm glad that same you noticed, if, queen if you could see chessie's posture right now it's because you, i have oh, like um, a literal hump in my neck forming from doing nothing the past like eight months except being on the computer so I'm trying to like me. snap out of that real quick. So I'm I am I am erect. <laughs> Good word choice. Thanks. It was really purposeful. Uh welcome back to Killer Conversation. <laughs> welcome back to the chaos. We didn't even say hello. I was just like, your posture? Crazy. That's Monica Jacobson. That's Francesca Marino, you already know, and I'm very excited for today's episode because first off, we're back on that recording grind, hashtag yes. boss babes. Oh my god. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. I, I can't. Um, I sent a voice note to Chessie earlier and was like, we need to record tonight. Mm-hmm. And she, the best part we, of this is t- this moment, she hasn't told me why, but she has told me that it's very important and she has lots to discuss. So we'll find out together. She's, she still does not know why I felt so strongly about recording today. No. I mean, there's a multitude of reasons. It gives me a chance to talk to Chessie for an hour. Right. So Always. that's why I, me manipulates her into catching up with me. <laughs> I'm like, we need to record now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I was driving earlier, went grocery shopping and was driving and was like, oh, I had a running gag of ideas going and was going to just send them in text format to different people. And I was like, you know what? No. You know why? Why? I have a podcast. We have a podcast. Mm -hmm. So we can just use this as a chance to let our inner monologue run wild so i'm all for it i'm all for the content chessie has no idea what i'm about to say literally not she hasn't told me anything so so i have a list here and none of the things on this list have to do with the oh this is a true crime episode by the way Mm -hmm. hi yeah (laughs) but yeah we're back to that true crime baby however the internet drama episode that we we're recording this on a friday Mm -hmm. we released that episode yesterday yo Popped off. It popped off. It really popped off. Expect a lot more internet drama content. That's all I can say. Yeah, for real. Even my dad, who knows nothing about internet drama, was like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, here I go on my quick tangent. First off, Dua Lipa. I... <laughs> this- <laughs> pause you took after that (laughs) yes and what about her (laughs) so i saw her live a few years ago she opened up for troy savon and i went to go see troy savon because carly had an extra ticket and was like let's go Mm -hmm. and i was like okay sure like bet Mm -hmm. and the one thing i thought was hilarious i was like this bitch has no stage presence i am watching an animatronic perform right now. I was like, who is this person? Of Troy Sivan or Dua Lipa? 
No, Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. <laughs> Dua Peep. Dua Peep. Um, she was so stiff. I thought it was the funniest thing. And then she started to blow up. And I was like, this woman can't dance. She has no stage presence. What the hell? And now I have listened to her album Future Nostalgia a few times and I had heard of it because she cried that someone leaked it the day before it came out. Like, girl, you should be kind of honored. Like, mm. people care enough about your music that they want to leak it. Like, yeah, I know it sucks and I'm sorry, but, like, I just remember that video going around. That happens to Gaga, video- like, every time. This has happened with every Lady Gaga album, even when no one knew who she was, that shit got leaked. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Germanata leaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... What's that song by Stephanie Germana- Germanata? Um, na, 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 na. Uh, it has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to give me lyrics at least, not just <laughs> la la la. I don't know. <laughs> it, there's a W. There's a W in the title. I promise it's a really good song, but I remember um, no floods. There's oh. no W in the title. I was thinking waterfalls. Okay. I knew it had to do with water. Um, but yeah, that song. Um, you can't stop me now. In a world unknown, you got to hold your own. That Ooh. was before Lady Gaga was Lady Gaga. I'm a mess. Anyways, That's the real tea. Do, do a peep. Uh-huh. Dua Lipa, I'm s- her album Future Nostalgia is fantastic, and I recommend everyone listen to it. And I stand Dua by Lipa, that. if you're listening, because I know you love our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually starting to unironically like you. Besides the fact that you're literally globe trotting in a global pandemic. Yeah, we don't love that. Yeah, she literally. <laughs> She's like, everyone stay home, wear a mask. And then she's like, I'm in Fiji. She pulled a Harry Styles that he was like out the other day with a bunch of people, Mm -hmm. no masks, just living life. And he sells merch. She's like, like, wear your mask, mask up. I'm I'm like, okay. (laughs) All right. She's like, I'm in Paris. I'm in LA. (laughs) She's like, everyone stay home. Oh my God. She pulled a Rugrats in Paris. around for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, her music kind of slaps. All right. That's number one on my list. Okay. Number two, driver's license, Olivia Rodrigo. And the love I have no triangle clue. that's, like, forming around that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I had no clue who this girl was. Come to find out she's on a show called High School Musical, the musical, the series, the musical, I think. Something like that. Something. It's something like that. She had a song that was trending on TikTok last year that I really didn't, that annoyed, like, the hell out of me. Yeah, it annoys me, too. Apparently, she wrote it when she was 16. I'm like, dude. Yeah, she's very talented. It just wasn't my taste. Yeah, but, like, Lord wrote Pure Heroin when she was 14. So don't be, like, using the fact that she's 16 writing stuff when Lord wrote this crazy album when she was, like, nine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was a toddler. (laughs) She came out of the womb, and Ella was like... I'm about to write Pure Heroin. <laughs> mm-hmm. This girl writes an ar- album called Pure Heroin, and everyone's like, yes, my heroin queen. Yes. Meanwhile, she's like an actual teenager. Yeah. Like acne and braces and all. And At she's 13. Like, hey. She's just feeling <laughs> angsty. But yeah, so she wrote this song called Driver's License. It's her first single ever. She wrote it about this guy she dated who apparently was also on the show with her. Josh. Who- John. James. His name's Josh something. Josh he ha- something. He's a ginger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sus. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but 
he is 21. She was 16 when they met. So, uh, in retrospect, that's not a crazy age gap. But given the fact she's underage. Yeah, it kind of makes it crazy. Yeah, he was like, once you're 18, like, let's actually date. And she was like, okay, cool, bet. And then he starts dating this beautiful Disney star named Sabrina Carpenter, Mm -hmm. who, she's so pretty. Mm -hmm. She's like what Dove Cameron wishes she looked like. Mm. She was in Mean Girls, too, right before it closed. Remember when you and I used to watch those Dove Cameron compilation videos? Remember, I still do it. (laughs) I I be listening to Queen of Mean. (laughs) Dove Cameron, the actress, is like a pathological liar. And her real name is not Dove. But she went on live with Kelly and Ryan and like straight up said her parents named her Dove when her real name is like Chloe or something. She's yeah. like, yeah, my sister got a normal name. I got like the quirky name. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like Dakota uh, anyway. Johnson was saying she loves limes and she, she doesn't like <laughs> limes at all. She just lied to all of us. Like, okay. <laughs> how fucking dare she? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know how many people went out and bought limes? How could you do this to us? <laughs> I know. Um... Driver's license, Olivia Rodrigo's about that love triangle. The song kind of slaps. Like, the yeah. first part of the song, I'm not crazy about. And then that bridge hits. Last week. last week. I also got my driver's license, like, a decade ago. So the fact that I'm still yeah, singing, I like, really got my driver's license last week. Bitch, you wish. Yeah. You wish. <laughs> my car that has almost 200,000 miles said, no, you did not get your driver's license last week. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, wow, I'm so excited to be recording right now. Like <laughs> The energy is palpable. My energy has never been this high on this podcast. For real. Ever. I'm just at... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next on my list. <laughs> Did you just want to talk about the... That was all you had about driver's license? I mean, I like the song. I, like <laughs> I the love m- that you brought it up like you were going to make some... <laughs> world-changing point and you're like this song exists and it's about these people thank you next no i like the the bridge is the best part where it's like red lights stop stop signs signs. i I still still see your face face. okay us being so not in sync right (laughs) i've I've never listened Um, to it i've only heard it through tiktok so i don't really know like oh i actually listened to it and i'm like you know what this 17-year-old <laughs> you know girl what? be making points. But, yeah, you said, you know what? Put that on the ox. Let's bless uh, this. Put that, on the, <laughs> put that on the ox of my car. That's literally older than this girl. You, that's you how said, long I've had my driver's license. <laughs> Our cars have the ox that's like an old cassette player. We're like, put that in the cassette player. <laughs> she was born post 9-11. And we're like, I got my driver's license last week. <laughs> Girl, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. But, you know, we'll prepa- Olivia we'll Rodrigo, pretend. enjoy your fast metabolism while you can. Oh, my <laughs> God. that does not. For real, though. Oh, to be young. To be young. To eat stuff and have your body digested. <laughs> Can't relate. Me eats a single bite of ice cream. Boom. Forever <laughs> with me. <laughs> um, Next on my list. We have a new president, guys. Thank, thank God. fucking God. Literally, thank God. Um, so love that. If you watch the inauguration, um, Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Forward. 
I have so so many thoughts about J Lo at the inauguration. Why? First of all, I don't she like that she's saying this land is your land because I hate that song. It makes me <laughs> cringe. Because this land is not our Literally land. Literally not our land. But okay, J Lo. And then um, she's like, let's get loud. Like her own song. I need it. She's plugging the fact her own that she song. Tried. <laughs> So Gaga went on first and was fantastic, obviously, because Lady yeah. Gaga is a queen. Yeah. First off, the Gaga memes about the inauguration, they're getting overshadowed by the Bernie memes, mm-hmm. and I get it, but the Gaga memes about, like, find Madonna, mm-hmm. bring her to me. <laughs> the-, <laughs> the, the one that was like, go find Britney and set her free. <laughs> <laughs> lady gaga talking to some soldiers and then someone edited um them to be wearing all pink and was like lady gaga in the chromatica army (laughs) guarding the capital for the inauguration but lady gaga killed the national anthem obviously yeah as always that she is arguably like the most talented vocally talented young white woman alive like i mean for real though we all heard shallow ten thousand times i gotta be honest the first time I heard Shallow in the Star is Born trailer, I was like, fuck, man. Yeah. This girl. I mean, obviously, I've been a Gaga fan for years, but I was like, this girl can sing. She has those pipes. <laughs> she has some pipes. So she killed it. And you and I were just talking about in the group chat recently how J-Lo is trying so hard to be an icon. Yeah. Because on New Year's Eve, when she, like, tried to sing Dream On by Aerosmith Dream and then bumped into the camera. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like, for real. I just feel like she... And her Super Bowl performance last year was, like, terrific. I have no yeah complaints about it. I thought she was great. Her and Shakira were great. And I, I love her in Hustlers. I think she's fantastic. J-Lo could be too. an icon. I just feel like her PR team or whoever creative team she has behind her needs to be fired. And she needs some younger people on it. Because she's making these moves, like, to get on like pop star level and it's not working also i didn't really like what she was wearing to the inauguration i didn't either it was blind i thought lady gaga looked white. fabulous gaga looked amazing j-lo's hair and makeup looked fantastic yes she looked gorgeous mm-hmm. her pants were gorgeous i just don't like the monochrome white being that bright i would have loved it if it was like a cream maybe but i texted monica and was like i am blinded by j-lo suit we were live texting during the inauguration yeah. in our group chat even though the two other people in the group chat have like day jobs yeah. francesca and i instead of texting one-on-one we're like let's bombard this baby <laughs> yeah. and uh, <laughs> we were like yes gaga when gaga came out we were talking about ella emhoff mm-hmm. we were talking about j-lo being blinding and then when she threw the let's get loud in at the end of this land is your land that right there sent me into orbit for real i was watching it with my brother and his girlfriend jeanette she was like let's get loud and i was just like what why (laughs) and the thing is that her she has some bops that song is a fantastic song you I don't need I do. to remind just... me of it. It's on shuffle. It's on my playlist. I'll listen to it. You don't need to mash it up with this land is <laughs> you your land. You don't need land. to give me some mashup. This land is your land. God bless America. Let's get loud. I'm already. I've been yeah. loud. I don't need the reminder. <laughs> I've been loud. 
I've been getting loud, okay? I straight up at your house with your dad watched J-Lo's True Hollywood Story. Oh my me. god. Your dad and <laughs> yeah, I no. straight up watched that. Never forget when, when uh, Monica came back to my house, my parents' house, and I had to leave to do something, and she was like, I'll just chill and wait. I was like, okay, and she watched True Hollywood Story about J-Lo with my dad, where it talked about her and P. Diddy. Or puffed out yes. whoever she dated. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. Yeah. I love that bonding moment that you had with him. It was so fun. I love that man. <laughs> he loves you, um, trust me. As, as everyone so, can tell, <laughs> Monica and I spend oh, a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine I go to your house all the time and you're like, my parents fucking hate you. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> my parents said, please stop coming here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I needed to bring up that J-Lo moment from the inauguration because that sent me, obviously, the Bernie. I love how we have a new president and no one's talking about it because Trump's gone. Everyone's just talking about this Bernie, Bernie, Bernie Mitten meme. Bernie Mitten memes. Yeah. Well, the thing I love, I love Bernie Sanders and the thing I love about him is he's making sweaters now that have him sitting in the chair like that, that he's selling for charity. Go buy some. And the mittens he's wearing are from a single mom school teacher out in Vermont, and her business is now blowing up because of this. Everything that man does has a greater purpose. He is everything I aspire mm-hmm. to be. I love him. Yeah, it's I do he's too. Amazing, and he's our oh, guest. So he... please put your hands together. And I can't even <laughs> the way I just built him up. Surprise! For, did you see my face for a split second? She said that my head flew. My <laughs> head like broken like, right oh, now. Shit. Um, I wish. Bernie, come on this podcast. AOC, come on this podcast. So, that being said, I have been super high energy talking about stupid topics for 30 minutes. I was about uh, to say, intro ever. This is, like, going to so end up being its own episode. <laughs> Chessie, I'll let you go first with your case. Is this the first time going into the episode that neither one of us knows what the other is going to talk about? I believe it is. This is new for us. So, yeah, I said to her earlier, I was like, I have a case I want to talk about. You know what it is, but I'm not telling you what it is. And I and told she her. she was like, I have a case too. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you. I saw this case on TikTok the other day. Um, follow us on TikTok. Plug. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. If I'm going to try to edit out any awkward silences while i go over this because it's a lot of information so i have notes and i'm I, very excited yeah you're, i think you're gonna like this one i don't know if you know of it but we'll know soon enough um don't sue me i'm using medium.com they gave me all my info love you mla mla format i'm citing you so uh and also i noticed in the past episode i'm back to my bad habit of saying like when i I'm trying not to take a long pause. I'm going to try not to do that because it was really annoying. Sorry about that. So every time <laughs> I say pretty much a soul dies. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time I say like an angel loses its wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that phrase. Oh, an angel. <laughs> I swear to God. I was listening to the episode yesterday that we had put out yesterday. And I truly looked at myself in the mirror and said, what is wrong with you? Why do you keep saying that? It's funny because I don't notice it. I just notice what I say a lot. I The only thing I notice about you when editing 
are your pauses, and I yeah. look for them. I pause. If anything, all the I'd time. make them longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love a good pause, but some it's just the normal vernacular. When I'm talking to my friend, I say like a lot, whatever. Okay, so my case I saw on a TikTok, and I had surprisingly never heard of it before, which is crazy. It's the Martin family's disappearance from 1958. Monica, have you never ever never heard of her? I I knew it because I was like Monica would have would have told me uh if she knew this case so this takes place in december of 1958 so ken and barbara they were in oregon i believe yeah portland oregon is where they live there's ken and his wife barbara and they spent all evening at a christmas party on december 7th uh and then they had three daughters barbara who was 14 virginia 13 and susan 11 that they got in the car and they said, you know what, let's go get some Christmas decorations and a Christmas tree while we're feeling really in the mood and really festive. Uh, so in the late morning, all of them drove in the family's car, which was a 1954 Ford station wagon we love, uh, and set out to the green shop so they can get some wreaths and, you know, those like outdoor Christmas markets. Mm-hmm. But on that Monday, December 8th, Ken's boss, he worked at an electric company, Noticed that Ken never came to work. So he tried to get in touch with him. And as the age old story goes, he couldn't be reached. And as far as the kids, Barbie had been marked absent. Barbie is short for Barbara. I should have said that. Barbara had been marked absent by her high school. And Virginia and Susan also had them had been marked absent from school that day. So right away, the boss uh, from the electric company is like, I'm calling the police and reporting y'all missing. So initially, uh, they found laundry in the washing machine, dishes on the drying rack when police went to investigate the house to see if anything was, you know, missing or if they had been robbed or kidnapped or something like that. But the house seemed fine and it seemed like the family was going to return to it. Didn't seem like they packed up and left to go anywhere. What year was this? 1958. Yeah. Wow. And on the same day that the Martins disappeared, an abandoned white Chevy was found 40 miles from uh, the Martins' Portland home. And so this car didn't match the family's vehicle. But within a day, two ex-convicts were arrested for theft of that same white car. But here's what's really odd, is that close to the bushes of this Chevy was a thirty-eight uh, caliber handgun covered in dry blood. Whoa. So okay. while yeah, so while there's no data that can really prove that the blood belonged to the Martins or who it belonged to, the gun itself was a little bit interesting because two years before its discovery, next to this Chevy, it was stolen. This gun was a stolen gun from a department store. Mm-hmm. So the person who was accused of the theft was Donald Martin. So. This is two years prior to the disappearance that while the blood is not belonging to the Martins or we don't know if it is, Donald Martin, who was the oldest son of Ken and Barb- Barbie, Barbara, the wife, not the daughter Barbie, the wife Barbara. I was going to say, so there's two Barbies. Yeah, the daughter's Barbara and the wife is Barbara, but I'm going to start calling the daughter Barbie to minimize confusion. Okay, cool. So Donald was the oldest son and he was working at that department store where the gun had gone missing from. And it ended up, they found out that he was the one who stole it along with $2,000 of other goods. So 
very interesting that the gun he stole is found bloodied by a bush near How old is oh, this wait, kid? Who? Um in his 20s because he wasn't living with them okay. at this time. He was like miles away. He was in the navy, so he was at least 19 or 18. He was stationed okay. all the way in New York, so he was nowhere near them. Mm-hmm. Um so the owner of a gas station says that the white Chevy um, had bought five gallons of gas at four o'clock. This is the night that the family had gone missing. And other people say that they had seen them in Hood River. A waitress at the Paradise Snack Bar remembers serving them. And another way to remember seeing the two ex-convicts who were later arrested, uh, who had stolen that Chevy that I mentioned earlier. So a bunch of people have placed them on a trail from that night. Okay. So now we're all the way up to December 28th. And close to the white Chevy and the handgun that I mentioned earlier, police now find a glove. The glove clearly belongs to a female. And according to relatives of the family, it looked like a glove that Barbara had owned and worn. But here's what's frustrating. We don't have DNA at this point. This is in the 50s. So the trail still kind of goes cold even after finding this glove because there's no way... There's no national database to compare it to. There's no DNA collection. So the glove kind of doesn't really lead to anything. Okay. Now, in February of 59, a volunteer searcher discovered tire tracks leading off of a cliff near where the family was headed. The tracks weren't found to match the Martins Ford. Remember, they drove a Ford. The convicts were the ones driving the Chevy. And the mm-hmm. FBI had investigated paint chips that were collected and located and confirmed that that paint was belonging to the model car that the Martins had owned. So now police are sort of working with the theory that they might have accidentally veered off of a cliff while driving to this Christmas market. Uh, so they go in and they try to look with sonar technology into the Bonville Dam, which is where the, the car would have fallen, but they don't find anything. So now on May 1st... I just of- think it's so weird... Like, what a coincidence they would drive off a cliff when their other car was stolen, like, or... Well, it wasn't their car car that was stolen. It's um, a white Chevy that was stolen, but the the only thing that really ties that Chevy to them is the handgun that was stolen by their son that was found with that stolen car. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. I just, what are the odds of that happening? exactly like exactly it's very and also the glove that they think is barbara's being near that stolen chevy that's being stolen by convicts that was placed on sort of the same trail the night that the family goes missing because remember the waitress saw them the gas station clerk saw them exactly and they all said that everything seemed fine yeah i mean nothing out of the ordinary i mean which, you know, kind of makes sense, so... because if you're stealing a car, the last thing you're going to be is jumpy and fidgety. They're already, you know, ex-convicts who are doing whatever they're doing in a stolen car. I'm sure yeah. stopping to get something to eat kind of proves that they're not that nervous about law enforcement being on their tail. True. So it's now so... going to May 1st of 1959, so it's almost half a year since the Martins disappeared, and there's really no leads. Uh, a drilling rig near the... Da- uh, that brook that I told you about, accidentally mm-hmm. hooked something of substantial weight. So of course it does. all of a sudden we're thinking it's th- going to be their Ford car, right? Mm-hmm. 
So the crew tries to lift up this substantial weight, and what do you know? It dislodges and sinks back down. And wait, why did I say it like that? <laughs> I was not. I was trying not to laugh. I don't know why did know. I literally short circuit. Like, that bitch dislodged. <laughs> I ran out of battery. Hold on. <clears throat> so the the crew tries to pull up this thing of substantial weight, thinking it's the Martin. Are you laughing? I'm sorry. <laughs> the look on your face too. You were like, guess what? It dislodges. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> So the crew tries to pull up this thing of substantial weight because first, of course, they're thinking it's the Martin's family car, the Ford. And as they're trying to pull it up, it slips off of the rig and sinks back down. And then they're unable to recover it ever again. So it's just gone. So so we'll never know if it was their car. That's it? Yeah. That's like we we will never know if that bit of information ever pulls through. But on the following day, after this horrible recovery mission, a fisherman and his wife see two bodies floating downstream near the Cascade Locks. A day after that, one of the bodies discovered 70 miles west of the Dalles on the north bank of the Columbia River. Dental records are taken and shows that it is Susan, the youngest member of the Martin family. Oh, my God. And then the day after that, the second youngest Virginia, her body surfaces near the dam that I told you about earlier. And um, the sheriff was able to conclude that the drilling rig that had been, you know, trying to hook the Ford and literally lost it ended up actually allowing the girls' bodies that they think were inside the car to to fall out, like to come to the surface. No. So they go back to the area to search again and use sonar technology again, but uh, the car they can't find and the other three members of the family still can't be found uh but they start an autopsy on the girls and they can confirm that they died by drowning yikes which is really sad and so really sad. here everyone obviously wants to wonder the same thing did the martin family drown did they get into an accident or was it something yeah. more sinister because we can't forget about the gun with the dry blood that belonged to their exactly. sort of estranged son um, so he was estranged. A little bit. That That's what people start to say is, is that he was the only one who had a little bit of issues. He had shoplifting issues and violence issues. That And that's why he was, I think, in the, put in, into the Navy uh, to ha- kind of help with that could have had any motive to want to hurt his family. But then, mm-hmm. you know, if they're saying, if they're entertaining the possibility that they drove off a cliff... They're trying to figure out, well, what was the visibility like? Were they exhausted because yeah. they had been at a party the night before and they left really early the next morning? Um, it still leaves a lot of questions, you know. Mm-hmm. So back to those two ex-cons that were seen following the Martin family car in that stolen Chevy. Yeah. The biggest question uh, is why did the oldest child, Donald, survive like why is he not attached to this at all when he has a connection to the gun that's found near the chevy um Mm -hmm. he donald didn't travel back to oregon when his family disappeared he only came once in march of the next year 59 to settle the family's estate because he was of course the sole beneficiary everyone else had perished 
Uh, he didn't even attend the memorial service of his baby sisters. So he hired these two guys to off his family. And that's what people started to think. Um, he had the bodies of the girls cremated. Um, <laughs> did you hear that yawn in the back? Yeah, what was that? Was that was my mom. <laughs> yawn. <laughs> yawn. That was your mom? Yeah. I... St- I love your mom with all my heart. I'm not oh kidding God. you. I thought that was an animal outside. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God, that is so funny. So, as I was saying, so Donald did not attend the memorial service for his baby sisters either. In fact, they're... He's like, cremate them. Yeah, he, their cremated remains, this is really sad, went unclaimed in a mausoleum for over a decade until they were retrieved by an unknown individual 10 years later. Mean, meanwhile, Donald came back real quick to inherit the estate, take the money, and move to Hawaii to get married and have his own children, who he allegedly never spoke about his parents or sisters to until he passed away in 2004. Oh, my God. And, of course, Donald's relationship with his family were sh- were, was, of course, strained. I mean, hello. Ken and Barbara were strict and religious. They didn't agree with his obvious theft from the department store um so they mm-hmm. sent donald to a christian college and donald decided to leave college to enlist in the navy instead so they didn't really see eye to eye on anything uh he clashed with his parents uh on most things including the fact that that store that he had stolen from their friend was the manager of uh so they he he sort of made his parents look bad a lot in in their eyes. Yeah. And so there's a lot of resentment there. The reason his parents discovered he had been romantically involved with another man was also another point of contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bisexual. A little bisexual action. We love a, a surprise gay moment. That's the best kind of gay moment. Um. So, so you know, they didn't approve of that. This is the 1950s. So Donald yeah. clearly did not fit in. He was the outcast. Mm-hmm. But did he hire ex-cons to drive his parents and three young sisters off of a cliff? That's the thing that's I mean, really unsettling because here's the tea. We'll never know because no one was able to prove or disprove this theory. <laughs> I'm not laughing at what happened. I'm laughing at the way you were today. Like, here's the skin. Here's the skinny. Here's the skinny queens. We'll never know the house down boots. (laughs) 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 I said it like a character on Big Mouth impersonating a character on on Drag Race. I don't know why I said it like that. But we'll never know because... the. I was going to say you sounded like Sarah Paulson in season two of American Horror Story. I don't want a cupcake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So here's the tea queens. Here's we the don't tape. know. We'll never know because the person who was really working this case was the grandson of Martin, I believe, who made it his life's mission to solve this case. And oh. his father or his cousin, I forget who, oh my God, it wasn't in the article. So don't come at me. But someone, a uh, patriarchal in his family, had written down in a notebook who they thought it was, but then crossed it out. And with like modern day fancy schmancy technology we were able yeah. to realize that he wrote down it had to be donald no one else has motive so the family does believe it's donald what's very sad is that donald died and no one ever 
you know, paid a price and I think the family never got justice. I think it was Donald, but I highly suggest there's a lot more to this case. It's impossible to fit it into one episode. So I highly suggest you Google the Martin family disappearance of I 1958. I literally am Googling it. It's very mm-hmm. spooky. 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 Okay. Um, That was a mess, Monica. I'm excited to hear yours. You already know what it is. I mean, you don't know what I'm doing, but you know what it is. So today, kiddos, I'm talking about Scott Peterson. Ooh, yes. We have mentioned this case a lot in passing on this show. We have never delved into this case on this show. So this lad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, Scott Peterson, he's from San Diego. He pretty normal dude. He didn't really do much. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Me in quarantine. Okay. <laughs> um so, he in college meets a girl. I he love the dramatic pauses. I, I love... Thank you. Aren't they Thank you. so much fun? They are. So he went to California Polytechnic, and he worked at a restaurant called the Pacific Cafe. Mm-hmm. One of his coworkers received visits from a neighbor named Lacey, who also went to Cal Poly. So they met at the restaurant in mid-1994. She made the first move, sending him her phone number. Queen. Um, Queen Tang's. Literally immediately after meeting him, she looks at her mom and she goes, I'm going to marry this man. Aw. So, ironically enough, their first date was a deep sea fishing trip and Lacey got super seasick. Uh. Um, But yeah, so fun fact, Scott Peterson wanted to be a professional golfer, but when their relationship started to get more serious, he started to focus more on a business career. They dated for two years, moved in together. In 1997, they got married. So, anyways, around this time, Peterson, Scott Peterson, engaged in the first of at least two affairs. They didn't, like, we don't know who this was. But after their graduation in June of 1998, they opened a sports bar in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. So, Scott Peterson's parents loaned him money to open the establishment. Um... Which, ultimately, it was a bad investment. So, they the couple ran the bar together, and it kind of caused a strain in their relationship because the bar wasn't doing great, so they were just super stressed about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they sold it in 2000, and then they moved to Lacey's hometown to start a family. And then in October of 2000, they bought a house for $177,000, which, like, in your 20s, like... You go king, you go queen. Um, <laughs> like, good job. Can't relate, but so, okay. I know. Anyways, so he was making, like, pretty decent money for the year 2000. He was making, like, five grand a month, um, which is pretty good, like, for having just had a failed bar. Mm-hmm. So 2002, she finds out she was pregnant. November 2002, she's seven months pregnant. Scott is introduced to a friend who's a massage therapist named Amber Fry. So, 
in later statements, Amber said that Scott told her he was single and they started dating. So, here's where shit gets wild. Mm-hmm. On December 23rd, 2002, that's so weird. This happened so long ago. I remember this happening. Like, yeah. I remember this being in the news. It feels, like, I remember... yeah. it feels very not that distant. I know. Like, the fact that this happened before Olivia Rodrigo, who wrote Driver's License, was born. Mm -hmm. That's how long ago this was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I straight up remember this being on the news. It was December 23rd, 2002. Scott and Lacey went to Salon, the workplace of her sister, for their haircuts, and they were just talking. Um, Lacey said that Scott had offered to pick up a fruit basket that she ordered for her grandfather for a Christmas gift the next day. Because he, she said he was going to be playing golf at a golf course nearby. So, like, this doesn't seem important, but it comes into play later. Um, Scott had also told other people he was going to be playing golf during the day on Christmas Eve. So then later the night on, in the night on the 23rd, Lacey's mom spoke with Lacey on the phone around 8.30 p.m. And that was the last time her mom spoke to her. So, Scott Peterson told the police that he last saw his wife around 9.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve, 2002, when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. This homeboy's supposed to be going golfing. Right. So, now he's suddenly going fishing, which is ironic, given that was our first date they ever went on, was fishing. Um... So, he said when he left, Lacey was watching a cooking TV show, but was getting ready to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk the family dog. So, then, this is where, like, it gets super Gone Girl. Like, some of the inspiration for Gone Girl, I think, came from this case, because this is what happened in Gone Girl 2. So, later in the morning, a neighbor found their dog, like, just walking around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they returned the dog to the backyard, like... Right after 10 o'clock. So, mind you, Scott said he saw Lacey at 9.30. So then, around 10.45, another neighbor found the dog again, wandering around with a muddy leash. And returned him to the yard again. So then, Scott Peterson says he returns home that afternoon to find it empty. So then, Peterson found the dog in the backyard. And, um, Lacey's car in the driveway he showered and washed his clothes because he got wet from fishing that's what he claims so abc news says that peterson reported his wife missing from their modesto home however the new york post which we know the new york post is not the most reliable but they mm-hmm. reported that when Lacey had still not returned home by five fifteen p.m he called his mother-in-law and that a half hour later, Lacey's stepfather called the police. So he apparently called the mom before calling the police, which, like, I get it. To be honest, I probably would do that. Like, just yeah. to be like, hey, have you seen so-and-so? Right. Um, so the stepdad was the first person to call the police. The thing that made this urgent was that this girl was ready to give birth literally any minute. Yeah. So... Like, she was full term. So, uh, I think that's what made this a little more pressing. The fact that this woman was extremely pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because the baby was, would have been able to function 
without her. So Mm -hmm. that's why people were kind of in a panic. Um, So it was a baby boy that they planned to name Connor. So the exact date and cause of her death were never determined. She was reported missing on Christmas Eve. And this is when it attracted like nationwide media interest. This pretty young woman who's hella pregnant, just, like, goes missing on Christmas Eve kind of sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when they when the uh, investigators arrived at the Peterson home, her keys, wallet, and sunglasses were found in her purse in a closet. Now, I'm going to give a quick little spiel on red flags, ladies and gentlemen. Please. I can say, as a grown woman in her mid-twenties, which mm. feels disgusting to say because I still feel like I'm 19. Yeah. But as a grown-ass woman in my mid-twenties, I do not go anywhere without my wallet or my keys or my cell phone. Absolutely. So if someone, if someone cannot be found in their phone, wallet, and keys, or their purse in general, uh-huh. like sometimes I will say, I go, if it's going to be a quick errand, I'll take my wallet, phone, and keys and not my purse. So, right. like, if I'm gone and my purse is there, like, but don't But if the important yet. contents of said purse are missing. Yeah. So, this was the same thing with Shanann. If those things yeah. are missing, mm-hmm. panic. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because either they were stolen or the person was stolen or both. Yeah. So, there we go. Just quick little spiel there. Any police investigator ever, if you show up and the keys and the wallet and the phone are there panic my dude yeah that's what i have to say Mm. because if someone were trying to run away they would have taken the wallet and left the keys and the phone like that's (laughs) they would not have left that wallet behind anyways so all her stuff was there the dining room table was meticulously set for dinner like for christmas dinner and then the phone book on the kitchen counter this is weird was open to a like, full-page ad for a defense attorney. Like, a criminal defense attorney. Oh. Um, That's So, awkward. when the detectives questioned Scott Peterson that night, they described him to be, quote-unquote, dead calm, despite um, Lacey's family's distraught reaction to her disappearance. So, I've watched these tapes many times. He is so weirdly nonchalant. Like, when being interviewed by the police. Have you seen these tapes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, like, pretty well-known because he's just so chill. They're like, dude, you told everyone you were going golfing today and you went fishing. He's like, I mean, I changed my mind. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's acting like it's nothing. He was a strange combination of, like, polite and arrogant, distant and impatiently irritable. He just didn't seem like a man who was crushed... Or even greatly disturbed by his wife's disappearance and possible death. And then the lead investigator said in 2017, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? What are you guys doing now? He initially said he had spent the day golfing and then the police quickly found out he was fishing. So they were like, you lied to us already. Like, what's that about? So then, and this is another red flag, ladies and gents, leaves a random message in the afternoon on her phone. Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15. I'm leaving now. I'll be home in X amount of time. Like, bitch. Yeah, oddly specific. If he does not typically leave messages and he randomly leaves a message, clock him. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> this is just like me tearing down men right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone needs to do it. So there were a bunch of inconsistencies in his statements, and they almost suspected foul play committed by Scott Peterson immediately. Um, so originally, Lacey's family was all, Scott would never do this. They were the perfect couple, blah, 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 blah. And then police continued to investigate, and they grew super suspicious of him. So then two weeks later, it became known that Scott had engaged in two other extramarital affairs and a third, the third being Amber Fry. Mm-hmm. So, like, she was a third person. Dude, you have been married, like, not that long. I know. Come on. Like, so she, I have to say, one of my favorite things about this case ever, it's so funny, and they play it during the trial. So he still tried to pretend that he was single, like, during, like, the first oh, no, my wife is missing, period. Right. So he told Amber that he was in Paris, and on New Year's, there was a candlelit vigil for Lacey that Scott was at, and he calls Amber during the candlelit vigil, and is like, hey, beautiful, I'm in Paris, looking at the Eiffel Tower, it's all lit up for New Year's, miss you, can't wait to see you. Oh, God, it's so gross. I'll send you a clip of the call to put in right here. It's really fucking funny because it's, I mean, the whole, the case itself was not funny, but like, the, it's kind of a, the audacity of this bitch sort of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes, I That's do. why I find it funny. Uh-huh. I'm just like, you killed your wife. You're at her candlelit vigil and you're like, hey, baby, like looking at the Eiffel Tower He's thinking of just you. Such a sociopath. How was your new year? It's good. I'm just, uh, I went to the bar now, so I came out of the alley. Quiet alley. Is that nice? Yeah, it is. I can hear you. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Fireworks there. The Eiffel Tower. It's the people all playing American rock songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yup! Uh, so, she, Amber Fry, watches the news. And I was like, oh, shit, that's my boyfriend who's talking about his missing wife. Oh, God. (laughs) So she goes to the police and is like, hey, like, I'm his girlfriend. Mind you, Scott told the police he was not having an affair. Men, listen up. If you're having an affair, admit it. The police will find out. You cannot have both an affair and the audacity. You have to pick one. I know. You have to pick one. Like... The police are gonna find out if you cheated. So, like... Yeah, point blank. So just tell them. Even if you killed your mistress They're and always your like, wife, I would they never look at another woman. And then the Chris cops... Watts, are, he's yeah. like, I would never. And then the cops are like, can we see your phone? And it's like naked pictures of him and his mistress. He's like, well, <laughs> I mean... And they always turn around so quick. They're like, I mean, you got me. Yeah, they're like, okay, I okay, I cheated once. Ugh. Big whoop. Dude, you were married for three years and you had three mistresses. Yeah. Happy New Year to you in Paris. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's a very busy man. <laughs> so, um, she approached the police. She told detectives that they had met on November 20th. So they had just met. They had only known each other like a month. Okay? Meanwhile, me, I am still in the talking phase with someone like three months later. <laughs> so like the idea of something moving that fast, I'm like, no. Cannot relate. Like, <laughs> cannot relate. 
Um, so initially he said he was single and then they began dating and she suspected he was married and confronted him on December 9th about this. Fry said to the detective that Scott said he lost his wife and this would be the first holiday he was without his wife. He said this on December 9th when Lacey was very much alive, very much well, and very much pregnant. Bitch! Uh-oh. <laughs> So. Oh no! Oh no! 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 You lied. Sorry. One single brain cell that we're sharing. I know it's hard. It's hard out here. So there was another press conference on January twenty fourth. Lacey's family withdrew their support of Scott. They were like. Bye, bitch. Yeah. You cheat, you lose. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they were pissed, like especially when pictures of Scott and Amber came out. Um. So then Lacey's brother stated that although Peterson had admitted to an affair a year earlier in a phone conversation following her disappearance, he ceased communicating with Lacey's family in regards to what happened to her. So he admitted to her family he cheated. But he was like, but I won't tell you what happened to her. Oh my god. <laughs> so, they were angered not by the affair, but by the fact that he told Fry he had lost his wife 14 days before she disappeared. Well, yeah. And that he I would mean, be hello. spending his first Christmas without her. Mm-hmm. Um... So, if anything, this screams premeditation to me. You're telling your girlfriend two weeks in advance that your wife died? Like... Yeah. When your wife is literally at home? Seems a little premeditated, but okay. Yeah. Um, So, Amber Fry allowed the police detectives to secretly record her phone combos with Scott in hopes of getting a confession, and that's where we get the cute little Paris, like, Happy New Year. Uh um, The audio recordings were released during the trial, thank God, Um, and the recordings revealed that in the days after Lacey went missing, Peterson told Fry, here we go, that he had traveled to Paris to celebrate the holidays with his new companions, Pasquale and Francois. Okay, but why is that us? <laughs> I'm Francois, and you're Pascal. I'm him choosing the most basic French names ever. He did a quick Google like, search. He was like French <laughs> names, and it was like Pascal and Francois. He said, "Sounds good. Let's let's keep it moving." Yeah, literally during the candlelit vigil. Okay, so then April <laughs> during the 13th. candlelit vigil. Oh my god! He's like, I'm with Pasquale. Can yeah, we have to put that phone call in here. I'll send it to you. Yes. It's really fucking funny. Um, so on April thirteenth, two thousand three, a couple walking their dog. Can you? I would hate for this to happen to me. I'm surprised it hasn't because my luck, man. But uh, a couple just chilling, walking their dog, found the decomposing body of a baby oh. in a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay shore. Oh. North of Berkeley, its umbilical cord was still attached. A judge sealed autopsy results. An anonymous Associated Press source revealed that 1.5 loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and a significant cut was on the fetus's body. So the baby was alive when removed from the womb, but was subsequently killed. Oh my god. One day later, 
a runner, it's always a runner. You know, yeah. this is why I don't like going this on runs. This is why I don't I'm exercise, like, you know, for real. I'm like, I could go for a run, but I also may discover a dead body, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I swear to God, 90% of cases, it's a runner who discovers a body. I know. Just like chilling. It's like a jogger, a runner. I'm like, mm, I'll walk, thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So one, literally a day later, a passerby runner found the torso of a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra on the eastern shore of the bay along a rocky shoreline of the same park. So it was only one mile away from where the baby's body was found. The corpse was decomposed to the point of being almost unrecognizable as a human body since the head, arms, most of the legs, and all the internal organs except for the uterus were missing. Oh my god. So she was hardcore mutilated. Yeah. April 18th, 2013, so five days later, the results of the DNA test verified that the bodies were of Lacey and Connor Peterson. The autopsy on both bodies um was re- actually done by someone with the last name peterson oh. they weren't related just kind of a fun fact mm. um so connor's skin was not decomposed at all but the right side of his body was mutilated and the placenta and umbilical cord um were still attached her cervix was totally intact so it seems like he cut her open and took the baby out and the baby was straight up alive oh my God. And he killed the baby because she was pretty much full term. The exact date and cause of her death were never determined. She had suffered two cracked ribs, but they couldn't figure out if that happened before or after she died. Her upper torso had been emptied, so he literally went in, took her organs out, and tossed them somewhere. Oh um, so the discovery of the bodies created a great sense of like urgency and panic so they Mm -hmm. put a tracker on peterson's car so he was in san diego and they were worried that once it hit the news he would try and flee to mexico um so anyways the fbi and the modesto police department they performed forensic searches on the peterson home and they also conducted mitochondrial dna testing on a hair from pliers found in his fishing boat that were linked to hairs recovered from Lacey's hairbrush so like when he had gone fishing is when he had gotten rid of the bodies right um so he ended up getting arrested obviously he was trying to flee to mexico when he was arrested he was arrested near a golf course he claimed he was meeting his father and brother for a game of golf however his hair had been dyed blonde his mercedes-benz was stuffed with super miscellaneous items including 15 grand in cash 12 viagra tablets survival gear camping equipment several changes of clothes four cell phones and his brother's driver's license in addition to his own i mean you busted yeah you fucking busted, brother. So, bruv. You busted, bruv. <laughs> You're busted, isn't so, it? You're guilty. Anyways. So, he was charged with two felony counts of murder, obviously, because right. he killed a baby and his wife. Right. Um, As he should. Yeah. The trial happens. He's obviously found guilty. 
um, even though the only piece of actual concrete evidence tying him to the crime was the hair in the pliers. Mm-hmm. So, motive. They think that the affair was the motive. The verdict and sentencing. He was convicted, obviously. He was um, sentenced to death. And um, he was ordered to pay ten grand to Lacey's family. Um, so, yeah, he was sentenced to death. I think that was fair. <sighs> um, he had taken out a life insurance policy for $250,000 on Lacey. Ended up going to Lacey's mom. Um, so... He was super jazzed, quote-unquote, when he arrived to pr- the prison he's at, um, which is just really, Why? Weird, really weird to me. Apparently he, uh, um, he's just crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, this August, fast-forwarding to 2020, the Supreme Court of California... Uh, upheld Scott Peterson's conviction but overturned his death sentence because his trial judge had died in 2008, dismissed jurors who opposed capital punishment, asking them whether they could put their views aside. So, like, he made... The judge made sure that the jury had solely people who wanted the death penalty and, like, were for the death penalty. Yeah, well, so, I mean, doesn't that make sense if he if that's what he's facing? Why would you have people who are vehemently against the death penalty on a case where you're being tried for, like, death? <laughs> like, if the death penalty's the on the table, I just want to see that, though. I completely agree with you, but I happen to know from the fact that I grew up around a whole shit ton of lawyers and my disgusting love for true crime shows, but you are guaranteed an impartial jury... When you go on trial, not that I've been on trial, not that I know from experience, but I do know that when you go on trial, one of the things that is guaranteed to you if you choose to have a jury trial is an impartial jury. So the judge, by dismissing people who oppose capital punishment, that takes away that impartial aspect for sentencing purposes. Really? Um Yeah. Wow. I would have so, because didn't they used to also be like if, if you didn't want jury duty? You'd be like, I hate white people. And they'd be yeah. like, okay, well, then you can't serve on this, like, team. Because it's, it's usually the other way around. Like, if you're for the death penalty, they're like, get the hell out of here. Oh, but really? this time around, they were like, oh, you like the death penalty? Sure, you can stay. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, I, what are you, I'm curious, before we wrap this up, because I know this episode's getting a little lo- lengthy, um, what are your thoughts on the death penalty? Um, I tend to be against it because I know it costs way more to execute a prisoner than to just mm-hmm. house them. So I'm not for all this money that could be spent on rehabilitation and other things going toward death penalty. I also think yeah. that any time that you execute someone who there's proof or emblems and proof that they could potentially be innocent, I think it's a disgrace to our justice system so i think just not to take that chance that you know new technology is always coming out i mean look at how many people they've executed way in the past that now with 
the technology we have, we know we're not involved. So I also tend to think that as time goes on and technology gets better, the same thing will happen and we'll look back on it like it was barbaric. So I tend to be against the death penalty. I don't think it's economic. I don't think it's moral. I don't think it's humane at all. So I agree. Yeah, I think rotting in prison... Like, I feel like that, if anything, is a worse punishment because Mm -hmm. you have to live with what you did. Yeah. There are only two executions I have ever agreed with because I used to work in retail at Lush and I did social media for the store that I worked in. And we had a bath bomb come out about abolishing the death penalty, which is like pretty heavy for like a bath bomb. (laughs) I was about Um, to say, holy moly. And we had, like, a lot of people who were really pissed about it because the death penalty is such a controversial topic. Yeah. Like, I get it. There have only ever been two executions I have agreed with, and they're the executions of Timothy McVeigh and Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Like, apart from those two, I am not... And the thing with, like, Osama bin Laden, I don't even count as the death penalty because it wasn't, like, oh, a trial and he committed some... Like, he's... a terrorist so i kind of hold him so is timothy mcveigh well yeah but i hold osama bin laden in a Mm -hmm. different light than i oh i do too osama bin laden is responsible for completely changing the world we live in. exactly so for him i I don't feel like housing him in an american prison would be idea like that was such a weird day when he died like that was probably (laughs) the only time you will ever. I was on an airplane when, and they announced that he really? had died. Like what a, that what the a place U.S. government be. had got him. Holy moly! Yeah, my mom and I were coming home from Colorado, and we were on an airplane, and they were like, "Osama bin Laden is dead." I do remember every single person going on Facebook and being like, "Take that, Osama bin Laden! Fuck you!" Like everyone was. That is like the only time in our lifetime when people will be jumping for joy over the death of someone. Yeah. But like, think about how. And this is the thing, like, kids growing up today, like, will never know what a pre-9-11 world was like. I know. Well, and I mean, listen, we could say the same thing now for COVID. We will yeah. never go back to a pre-COVID. It's going to be just like when you address something and you go, well, this was pre-9-11 or post-9-11. We will also be saying, well, this was pre-COVID-19 or post-COVID-19. It's exactly. a monumental yeah, thing like- that shifts the whole entire world, the whole thought process, so... 9-11 not only, like, changed forever the way you travel. Yeah. Like, you will never, like, traveling before 9-11, I mean, I don't think our listeners are that young. Like, I think yeah. our listener base, for the most part, remembers traveling before 9-11. Yeah. You could straight up walk to the gate with people yeah. in an airport. Absolutely. Like, before 9-11. And on the other end, people could meet you there. Mm-hmm. Like, like a train station, you can still do that. Like, walk to the train with of someone. Course. You could do that at airports yeah. beforehand. You could, like, take like, snacks and drinks with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a mm-hmm. whole different thing. I mean, and I'm and sure we'll find... fuckers ruined it for everyone. Well, that, that, <laughs> that's the thing that is crazy is, you know, we talk about with COVID passing different laws about public health and safety and things, and people think it's so wild that we would do that. But look, I mean, just look at what we did after 9-11. I mean, you have to take your shoes off every single time you want to go on an airplane. That's from one attack. So why would we not change the way we deal with public health after something as big as COVID? I mean, that's just People like, have politicized the virus. It, and yeah. that's the issue. It's ridiculous. People, 
And the thing is, people didn't even politicize 9-11 that much, and that was literally a political issue. Well, we politicized like, it because we knew that we had an enemy to blame, and George Bush was, like, already ready to go to war. So he was like, perfect, let's let's do it. Um, so, 9-11 changed the way we treat Muslim people in this country. I mean, for 9-11 changed so much about the narrative it changed of who everything. we see as evil or the other, or who we classify as terrorist, whereas mm-hmm. we just had a bunch of terrorists storm the Capitol, and no one wants to use that word. So, Because they're white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they're homegrown and they're white, all of a sudden they're rioters or whatever, but... If they were... That's like Columbine also changed me always bringing it back to Columbine. But that's the thing also about Columbine is people love to spread because they were white, that they were bullied, that they were outcast, and they weren't. They were not bullied. They were ex- white right-wing extremists who shot up the their school. only 20-something, I think, people died in Columbine, mm-hmm. maybe less than that. I know there were some people who lost limbs in it, but like, think about how many school shootings have killed so many more people since then. Yeah. But Columbine was the blueprint. Columbine is what made all those fucked up white boys go, you know what? Like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And the ease of which they can get away with it. We never do anything. So, like, why? Mm -hmm. I mean, hello? There's We have some person in Congress or some representative who's, of course, a right winger who is holding a, an office of power and believes that the Sandy Hook shooting was staged and, and it was to- just a liberal hoax. So we have the very Sandy big Hook issues. The Sandy Hook shooting literally makes me sick to my stomach. I know. And I to swear stand to God, in is... front of people and say, I think that was fake and, and some hoax, tell that to the parents who lost children. To the parents Like, I obviously am not for the death penalty, and I made that clear, but if Adam Lanza had lived, I would have been like, put this motherfucker to death. And that's the thing is, they never do. They always cowered out and kill themselves. I mean, it's it's just, come on. Yeah, I... I, There are no words for me to... I I remember when they announced Sandy Hook. I was in school. It was the end of the school day. Yep, it was. And they announced what had happened. I had just walked in the door from a day of high school, and my mom was glued to the TV and was just couldn't believe what was going on, and everyone was waiting for information. And the saddest part was watching that death toll go up. It went from one to three, and then maybe seven, and it just kept climbing and climbing. It was horrifying. Climbing and climbing. Horrifying. And, like, the pictures of the kids with their hands on each other's shoulders crying as they like leave the school Mm -hmm. and think about all the kids who are going to be so messed up forever now i mean like the kids who are in those classrooms just the fact that you have an assault on the capitol where they're claiming oh we were so scared people stormed with guns and you have kids saying you're welcome to a normal day of high school in america we have lockdown drills all the time we have shooting threats all the time and this is just what oh now you want protection from guns because it's going to affect you what about us who've yeah. been crying for for gun laws for years? Like I am so happy I am not in school anymore. Oh my god, Sam. like I'm so happy to be out of school because absolutely I would hate I, I to be in school right honestly now. Honestly, thank my lucky stars that I don't have any children right now because a big mm-hmm. thing I talk about when I'm sort of picturing my future, or trying to plan what I could for my future is I don't really know if when I have kids I would even want to stay in the U.S. because of how scary it is to send them into school. It's a huge factor in why I would be open to living somewhere abroad, and it's really sad, but I can't imagine being a parent in this day and age and having to send your kid into a school. Yeah, I know. It's it's wild, and I know I I apologize because we've gotten on such a tangent at this point, but it is... 
as we do, but it's crazy to think about, like, how many crazy things we've lived through. Yeah. Like, think about our parents. Like, I, my mom talks about the day JFK was killed. Yeah. And, like, how crazy it was. Mm-hmm. And just think about how much crazy shit we've seen, like, alone in our lifetime, you know? You know, it's, it really is crazy and it makes you feel a lot better for sometimes taking a step back and being like, what is going on? And how am I processing all this information? Because it just feels sometimes just constant information flooding every single sense that you have and it's exhausting and it's traumatizing and especially with COVID everything else that's been happening has been amplified so I think it's important Mm -hmm. that we do those check-ins where we talk to other people around us in our age group and admit like yeah this is crazy does anyone else feel like life is crazy and things like, crazy yeah. things keep happening. It's exhausting. Like, today is the first day in a very long time that the news cycle has been somewhat quiet. And I am just mm-hmm. basking in it. Like, I, I love it. I, I yeah. It hasn't been like this for a very long time, so. I know. I mean, it's nice to feel like we're finally taking a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Last thing I'll say for now, but I'm rewatching Sex in the City right now. Oh my god, so and am I. seeing, seeing what New York was like before nine eleven, mm. is crazy to me. Yeah, like even in Friends, oh in my the god. early episodes of Friends before nine yeah. eleven, it's just a whole different world. And that's again, yeah. like that's what we'll say about COVID. We'll be like, wow, they must have filmed this before COVID. We'll be saying that for a very long time. I know. Yeah. So it's it's wild. So what an episode. What a this what a was spiel. wild. And um thanks for listening as always. Follow us on <laughs> Okay me. You're like thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of cool that you listen to this podcast whatever. Um yeah. follow us on Twitter at uh Killer Convos Pod. Follow us on TikTok, which I think is the same thing. Instagram. And then Killer Conversations. Yeah, at Killer Conversations. And then email us. But all that will be in the in the description. So Obviously. click in, follow us, and stay so, tuned for the next episode. Without further ado, that is Francesca Marino. That is Monica J. Gibson. And this has been Killer. Killer. Conver. Conver. That was perfect. Bye. Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James? Comment il vécu? Comment il est mort? Ça vous a plu, hein?